Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to the Sage Sayers. I'm Debbie Gardner McCullough. I'm a communications coach and a narrative coach from New Zealand based in the fine state of Wisconsin. The Sage Sayers podcast deals with communication tips and strategies, and we interview interesting individuals from all around the world who've found a gift, an opportunity, and or knowledge from challenging situations. My guest this week is Colby McCullough. Colby has 20 years of supply chain experience in the aerospace and consumer goods industries, but he grew up in New Orleans and he holds a BS in structural engineering as well as an MBA in operations research from Carnegie Mellon University. Colby currently is a director of supply chain analytics at a large consumer goods company in the Midwest. His team develops analytical tools and reporting that ensure the supply chain runs as efficiently as possible. And that's a great thing, especially given these singular times. And part of their success and his success relies on clear, succinct and compelling communications. And this is something we can all continue to refine as a craft, grow and learn from. So how do I know Colby? Well, He's my husband, and at his side, I've seen his career flourish and him learning and thriving from the challenges before him. A true sage response. So husband, Colby McCullough, welcome to the Sage Sayers. Thank you, Debbie, uh, for the opportunity to uh, come on today. I look forward to talking about um, you know communications and, and supply chain and uh, data analytics and uh the type of world we're in right now with this, uh, you know, on the tail end, we hope, of, of this pandemic and its effects. So, so thank you. You're so welcome. It's a real pleasure having you with us today, Colby. Now, I have a, a light script of our questions to go through, but I wondered before we dive into them, could you just define for my audience what supply chain means to you? Absolutely. So, <clears throat> Supply chain is the management of products from their origin to the consumer. So what does that mean? So let's say you're selling radios. Um, Supply chain would manage everything from buying all the materials, the plastics, the electronics, the servos, the dials, the antennas bringing them to some place to manufacture them, manufacturing those products into radios, shipping those radios to, let's say, Walmart shelf, um, and then actually getting it in the hands of the consumer. The management of that product flow is a chain with many pieces in the chain. And the word supply comes from you supplying products. So that's the background of the supply chain. Thank you, Colby. Very clear and very accessible too. So I'm clearer now on supply chain. And I wondered, we know these are singular times with major, major supply chain disruptions from extraordinary weather patterns, the plague of our time. I wondered in your role and from your vantage point as a supply chain expert, what do you see as the biggest supply chain problems and challenges consumer goods companies and manufacturers in general face right now? What patterns do you see? Well, there, there's a couple, and, and, and certainly they're all connected to this pandemic world we're living in. <clears throat> Supply chain 
by its nature is successful when no one knows about you. And what do I mean? So certainly if you look at senior leadership, it doesn't matter if you're in the aerospace industry, the consumer goods industry, really any industry. If you don't hear about supply chain, they're being efficient because the products are where they need to be. They're where they need to be, when they need to be there. And you're making your sales numbers. Now, because of that, supply chain strives for stability. We like things to work out. We don't like red flags. We don't like alarms. We like things to be stable. Well, the last year has seen a global pandemic with shutdowns. We have seen unprecedented uh, weather patterns. For example, chemical manufacturers throughout Texas having to shut down because of the freezes. Um, we have seen borders closed to products flowing. We have seen shipping companies shut down. We have seen a container ship turn sideways in the Suez Canal. Unprecedented events. And what do those create? And those create chaos. And that's something the supply chain hates. So uh, what are the biggest challenges being faced right now? It's taking a supply chain that likes stability and becoming adaptive. How do you change your supply chain? And then on the tail end of that, consumer demand has changed. Product demand, buying patterns have changed. People are buying things online a lot more um, efficiently. And e-commerce has skyrocketed because of the pandemic. And we will never go back to the old buying patterns and the old products and the old way of life. Um, it will come off of some of its pandemic peaks, but e-commerce is here to stay. Efficient, adaptive, fast-changing supply chains in the global consumer brands industries and really in all industries, those are here to stay. So one of the biggest challenges is have you been able to adapt your supply chain in the last year? Um, you know, you have may, may have had your top 10 out of 1,000 products that your best sellers around the world. Well, guess what? In the last year, you probably have a different top 10. Instead of five warehouses, maybe you only need three now. Instead of five uh, ocean freight companies or three air freight companies, maybe you need two now because two, went, two of those went out of business. So lots of upheaval, lots of change. And the most successful companies have been the ones that have been able to adapt. Yeah, this is so interesting, Colby, because that adaptability piece and that nimble piece is starting to tie to mental fitness for me in my mind. I'm making some connections here, but which is all about looking for the, you know, taking a challenge and responding to it from a positive versus a negative mindset. But we'll get into that a little bit more further down. I wonder, just on a personal note, and just a, you know, make it as succinct as you as you want, but the when it comes to uh, the biggest blunder or encounter that you've personally encountered through a supply chain problem, what was the go around and how did you or your organization you served at the time stay nimble at that time and adapt at that time? Yeah, that's, that, that's really a great question. Um, you know, I will probably have to give you a secondhand exposure because, you know, I may be biased, but I like to think the organization that I work in, we do a good job with being adaptive in this time. But I certainly have had peers in other industries, peers around the world, and we've shared lots of stories. So I can certainly share one or two of those. You know, 
as I'd mentioned before, if a supply chain is doing well and they're being efficient, senior leadership doesn't hear a lot about them. So a lot of very stable supply chains have really forgotten how to collect data, how to analyze data, how to have data analytics and reports and tools and what we call decision models. So models that can help leadership make decisions. Should we buy product in China or should we buy it in India? Should we ship it via ocean freight or should we ship it via air? A lot of companies have been lulled over the last couple of years into a very stable way of working where they didn't think they needed those tools and those models and those data analytics people and the data analytics software. Well, the pandemic hit. And leadership started asking questions on, what is our capacity? How much can we grow? What's the alternative logistics route? What's the maximum daily shipments that that warehouse can make? Can we ship that product from another warehouse? Where is our product? And those supply chains that didn't invest in data analytics and data tools and data scientists and operations research couldn't answer those questions in the pandemic. They simply didn't know because they would never had to know in the previous industries. And, the, and we are seeing those companies lose market share. And we are seeing um, a, a significant decrease in the sales volumes on those companies that just simply didn't have the data, nor the people, nor the systems to communicate back to leadership what the problem was. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, what we've seen is the successful companies they are the ones that have invested in the data analytics and the, the tools and the reports. And when leadership asks those questions, hey, the pandemic's hit, our sales volume is up 250%, can we support it? The companies that could respond with large spreadsheets, with reports, with daily updates on where materials were, with production volumes, they have been able to capture a larger part of that market share. So that has really been what has set some of those companies apart, the companies that were able to have supply chains communicating using data. Yeah, so interesting. So data is saving the day, but I had a wonderful heard a wonderful thread in this in this helpful response there, Colby. A lot of the time, it sounds like your job is delivering negative news messages, bad news messages up or down the chain on what's going wrong or not being able to be nimble or adapting. And I wonder what have you, what sort of tricks and strategies have worked for you for effectively delivering bad news messages around supply chain, both up and down the chain? That's oh, it's an excellent question. And I'll actually break that into a two-part response. You're absolutely right. Over the last, I don't know, let's say 14 months to 16 months that we've been in this environment, I have had to deliver uh, bad news, um, but I've also been brought into providing data and support and building the case for my leadership delivering bad news to their big customers, right? So some of it I have delivered and some of it I have prepared the message for others to deliver. And the one universal aspect that uh, connects both my messaging and the messaging that I've developed for others is if you have set up your supply chain to drive that data, to collect that data, to report that data, 
it makes it much easier to deliver a bad message if you have support. If you can show, hey, I, I had a, I had a, a very uh, agile supply chain. I, I, I was monitoring all the aspects of the supply chain. We were doing everything we could. But I'll give you an example. Uh, there was a large fire at a complex during the freeze in Texas. And we won't have this chemical for two months. And we're going to short $5 million worth of product, for example. If you have all the data to go with that, it's easier to receive a hard message than if someone just says, hey, there was a fire. We don't know the impact. We don't know the, the sales we've lost. We don't know when we're going to be back, but I just want to tell you. you know, The one universal language that's made it easier to deliver that hard message is having support. And if you don't, on a week-to-week basis, whether there's a pandemic or not, have that data infrastructure, that reporting, that data analytics team. You know, this all ties into, I'm sure you've heard Six Sigma and lean methodology and operations research. It's all intermingled with this data monitoring theory in, in supply chain. That Having that infrastructure has been enabled delivering that hard message uh, much easier for, for, for me and, and for my team. Yeah, it's so interesting, Colby. And, and in spite, but I had a, another curious question. Are you okay with a bolder one? Absolutely. So I, I'm sure in spite of, I'm sure having that data is helping because you're delivering these tricky, awkward messages, but there's an awkwardness there, right? Because you're delivering bad news. And as someone who I know from being your wife, that you studied and even taught executive communications as a tutor at Carnegie Mellon's Business School. So you're an expert on executive presence and staying calm and grounded. I wondered what tips or strategies or advice you might offer, just just a couple of ideas on how to stay calm in those moments. Because even when you have the data, I'm sure it's a little scary. Someone's going to freak out, right? What do you have? (laughs) And certainly I've been in those environments. you know, when you talk about delivering negative messages, you know, there's segmentation. You have small negative messages, you have medium negative messages, and then you have the sky is falling, this is the end negative messages, right? Um, the one thing I will say about, uh, you know, how do you deliver those differences? Um, well, actually two things I'll say. You have to know your audience, Right. Does your audience know anything about the situation? Are they internal to your company? Are they external? Do they know you? Do you have to prove yourself to them? So so really the first one is, is knowing your audience. Um, and, and the second one is crafting your message to that audience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if, if they know you, if they know the situation, if they know the background, they're just going to want to know the conclusion followed by the data. If they're outside of your company, they have no idea what's going on, they don't know you're coming to give her bad news, you have to build it up. You don't just slap someone in the face with bad news. So the first is knowing your audience. And the second is is you know modifying your message for that audience. Now, both of those scenarios need to be backed up with data of exactly what's going on. You just need to know whether you highlight that and deliver a message or whether you build up the knowledge of the person you're presenting to then deliver the data and the message. So, you know, those, those would be my two takeaways. Excellent. Thank you so much. Very, very helpful. I wondered what got you into supply chain in the first place and how did you know that this was your path? 
Okay, oh, excellent question, uh, Debbie. So, you know, I, I, as you know, I grew up in New Orleans. Uh, my father was in the oil and gas industry. And when he was, wasn't was working in the oil and gas industry, he ran a small mechanic shop out of basically our front yard. And from an early age, I would say probably even six or seven years old, uh, I would see my in the driveway and fixing neighbors' cars and people around the city to make some spare money. Um, and you know, he, he involved me and it started with, can you help me you know, take this tire off? Can you help me with this engine? And you know, then that grew to when I was 8, 10, 12 years old, I was doing some of the work myself. And then in high school, I actually worked at my father's mechanic shop. He had exited the supply chain, uh, the oil and gas industry at that time and opened up his own mechanic shop. So I was working with him and really working with my hands and understanding how does this engine work? What's behind there? What are the pieces? And I would draw sketches of engine parts and understand how they fit together. And and then when I went to to undergrad, um, you know, I, I decided I wanted to be a structural engineer. I, I loved the structure of things, the building of bridges. And so my undergrad was in, in structural engineering and um, then got into the oil and gas industry, oddly enough, like my father. But I was on the engineering side of designing these 1500 foot deep platforms and these floating ships that were you know harvesting oil from the ocean floor and i always had the interest of what's behind it what's behind it what's behind that engine what's inside that engine and um in the oil and gas industry uh, that's sort of morphing into these big projects we were designing and i had the opportunity to start working on procurement in the supply chain. So the purchasing of all the equipment that went into these products projects. And where did they come from? Well, you need this oil pump from a company in Israel that's really good. Or you need this uh, computer system from Germany. So a lot of global sourcing, global supply chain. And, you know, you fast forward 10 years later and, um, you know, I'm, I'm going through the operations research or which is basically the applying mathematical models to uh, operations and supply chain and specialized in that at Carnegie Mellon and then got out into the aerospace industry for a six-year stint and, and really focused on Six Sigma and, and lean methodologies within supply chains, operations research, and really it's, it's grown from there. So I would have to bring it back just to being a hands-on person my father was a mechanic. I saw him fix things. I saw him tear things apart and put them back together. And it really made something click in my head of using my hands, understanding what's causing things to happen. Um, and my love of math really merged with that. And I figured, what can I do with my hands and math? And how can I apply math to how things work? And supply chain just seemed like the, the logical path. Beautiful. So this logical path brought you into the work you're doing today, but I know there's a little piece there from football because in your engineering studies, you went to Mississippi State and were was on a path to you play college ball and there was a potential path for you as a professional footballer it didn't work out for you, but I know there were some wonderful leadership lessons from that time. I wondered from your football t- youth and time, what were some of the most memorable lessons that you learned and can you apply any of these to leadership and to life? 
Uh, that is a, a an interesting question. So, how what did I learn through playing both high school and and then college Division One football, and how would I apply that into the, the business world and the supply chain world? You know, I guess two things really come to mind. The first is juggling many jobs and you know wearing many hats, if you will. I mean, there was times where I had a structural engineering exam in the same week where we had a, um, a very large football game that was being played across the country, but my test was on Thursday, test Thursday morning, then go to the airport to catch the charter plane for the team to fly 1,200 miles to play a game. And there was lots of two, three in the morning studying. Um, so the first is teaching me just to you know, if you want it, if you want to be dedicated to it and you want to achieve something, don't make an excuse. It's going to be tough. Realize it's tough, but you have to go attack it if you want it, right? So the first is just how to juggle many things to get what you want. And really, you know, whereas you know, the team I played for at, you know, at Mississippi State, they've last four or five years really developed to a top 15 team. When I was there, we would we weren't that good. <laughs> so we had lots of losses, some big wins, but lots of heart-wrenching losses. And really, at Mississippi State and in the, in the football program, really taught me how to deal with failure a lot. Um, failure on national TV. Um, failure on me missing a tackle and ESPN having it on the camera and knowing there's <laughs> millions of people wondering why that guy can't tackle the, the quarterback. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? The, the next week, there's another game, um, just like in supply chain and in the business world and global consumer brands. You may have a bad month where something happens, but the next fiscal period starts tomorrow or the next fiscal year, and you always have to get a little bit better. So really dealing with failure, dealing with hardship and, and knowing you have to work hard if it's something you really, really want in your life and um, dealing with adversity. Right. It, it, it football, like like so many youth athletes in the world today. And that's why a lot of parents push them into any type of sport is just builds character and, and, and dealing with adversity teaches them how to deal with it. Yeah, that's great. Colby, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. And you have been listening to the Sage Sayers. My guest today was Colby McCullough. He's a global supply chain expert. And we've had a great time learning about his communications tips and strategies today, along with some excellent wisdom on data, communications, and supply chain. If you'd like to try out my coaching or training services, please visit my website at hangingrockcoaching.com and check out my workshops. They're in the show notes too, along with my Calendly link. If you'd like to try me for some kind of communications coaching strategy or problem that's going on for you today. Thanks so much for listening to me. It's been a pleasure having you and take good care. If you're in the States, enjoy your 4th of July weekend and I'll speak with everybody next week. Bye for now.